this is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I know many are away for the uh, start of the summer. It's also obviously Memorial Day weekend because of what the veterans have done for us, uh, and we celebrate our freedom. We think about those that have served in this country. And, uh, you know, again, uh, just a quick show of hands. Any vets here among us today? And, uh, you know, just thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's no small, it's no small thing. Uh, you know, we involve in war at the moment. Uh, and yet, for many of us, uh, it's easy to get disconnected because our lives just seem to carry on uh, as if nothing's happened, and yet those that are serving or have come back from uh, a stint overseas, it's, it's so hard to re-enter this culture. And for those that have served uh, in this, you know, the world wars, it's uh, hard for us to really understand the sacrifice uh, personally, unless it's your family member or unless you've been personally involved. So uh, I just think it's a wonderful thing that we have a Memorial Day uh, holiday to remind us of that. But, uh, you know, in the church calendar, it's a whole different weekend. Uh, this weekend is Pentecost. And um, so we want to talk about Pentecost and what that means uh, to us uh, today as well. It's also this, this shift in gears, and it's such a mixture of emotions. I mean, you know, from veterans' uh, affairs to... Some of the seniors in high school have this disease called itis, and uh, you know parents can't get them to do anything, their peers can't get them to do anything, uh, the teachers can't even get them to do exams. I mean, they finish next week or something. And then you've got uh, college kids that are uh, already out for the break. It seems hard to imagine. It's not even summer, but it is kind of summer, and college kids are out, and and, you know, they've got the whole summer ahead of them. I mean, there's just a lot of things that seem to be happening on uh, Memorial Day weekend, this particular weekend. And one of the benefits of being a pastor in one place for a long time is you get to watch uh, people grow up. I think this October would be our church's 17th year in existence. Uh, so, yep, that's, that's exciting. And... Uh, We've got some families that have been with us, you know, from the early days. And one of those is the Leffingwells. Uh, and Dave and Melissa have just been uh, like these, you know, faithful pillars in the church. And uh, likewise, we've watched uh, their daughters. Caitlin, why don't you come up so long, uh, grow up. Uh, I remember when these folks first joined the church. And uh, now she's all grown up and beautiful. Not that she wasn't before, but... <laughs> And uh, Caitlin has uh, been willing to share a little bit about a little testimony, so I want to not chew up all your time. Why don't you read or share whatever you want to do? And uh, there you go. You can hold that. And... Hi. Thank you. This is Caitlin. <laughs> laughing well. I'll try to be pretty brief. Um, yeah, although just to explain even how this happened, um, I'm going to Israel this summer and in the process of doing the whole support raising thing for that. I was blown away by two things just this week. Um, the first was how many people still from this church are supportive part of my life. Um, I think that's pretty amazing considering I haven't been you know, a regular attendee or whatever for probably seven years now. Um, so that was just, well, yeah, poof. Um, but I, just, I still feel like I'm coming home when I come back here. So that's a blessing. And um, the second thing that amazed me was how connected my experiences here were how, like how they led to where I am now. It's like this direct connection. It's really amazing. Um, so I wanted to just, I'm going to read because being in front of people is still something that challenges my courage. Um, so this is just, yeah, the God story behind all of that. <sighs> all right. So although I started playing the violin in second grade, uh, time and sheer musical enjoyment did not really alleviate the shaky knees, sweaty palms, and dreadful panic attacks that always accompanied all performances, including right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, even playing for my teachers caused anxiety, and playing in front of more than one person felt pretty much like torture. And uh, so when my dad invited me to join the Vineyard's 
first youth worship band, I probably just called him crazy <laughs> and laughed and hid. And <laughs> yet after much encouragement from him and my mom and uh, just a lot of actual people in the church, I finally agreed and decided that <laughs> I would face the torture um, by playing inaudibly at all times. <laughs> so, uh, but more encouragement followed and I found that this was a safe place and I began to branch out and experiment a little bit more and um, always kept my eyes tightly closed and kept this nice safe distance between me and all microphones, which probably drove a lot of sound people crazy. Um, but even the fact that I sounded off more often than not um, did not lead to discouragement from the people that I was playing music with. And I remember one moment, I don't remember one moment of doubt from the group of musicians who quickly became my mentors, encouragers, teachers, and supporters. Um, but most importantly, I found myself part of a group of men and women who love Jesus wholeheartedly. And they expressed that love through not only their worship, but um, their protective care for me. I'm not going to cry. I'm my mother's daughter, but I'm not going to cry. <laughs> um, and so during that time, I wrestled very deeply with a lot of internal challenges, but I, I blossomed both musically and spiritually as well. And I decided to call Jesus my Lord, my Savior, my friend. Um, not going to cry. Um, at my 18th birthday. And at that time, I left for college and received... <laughs> as a parting gift, a pickup for my microphone, probably from those sound technicians. <laughs> um, but even though I was going away to college, I decided not to pursue a degree in music. Um, I actually thought I would be leaving that part of me completely behind. Instead, I chose to do something called urban studies, which think like social work preparation. Um, and yeah, I felt that I would be letting go of music entirely because of that choice. But as is often the case, God has other plans so often. Um, and I actually, I found myself joining the worship team at the Christian group that I was part of within like the first two weeks of being on campus. Um, they kind of recruited me and I, this time instead of fearfully running away, I joyfully accepted the chance to um, help myself and God and other people worship God. And it just seemed like a beautiful way to continue my art form while pursuing other things. Um, but once again, <laughs> God had other plans and they were bigger plans than I could have anticipated. So Starting with the worship team, all these other doors started opening, and I found myself playing more music in college than I had ever before. Um, evangelistic coffee houses and campus-wide worship service and leading worship for these large ministry retreats and just all these amazing things that just came out of the blue. And um, the opportunities continued to grow until, yeah, I was playing music probably more than I was studying. <laughs> and uh, this is kind of miraculous to me. Um, but during the last year at UConn, um, God really really started to show off. Um, and I found myself teaching violin in Hartford, Connecticut, kind of, again, offered a position just out of the blue. And when you think about God's math for a moment, we have on one side of the equation, suburban, white, quirky music teacher without a music degree or an education degree in ghetto school <laughs> teaching violin. You don't think the other side of the equation is going to be fruitfulness or good relationships or any kind of long-standing job <laughs> and yet that is what this has led to um, and it just it combined perfectly my passion for music and my love for and degree in working with at-risk youth and so it was terrifying and ecstatic um, but I, I launched into this new adventure with the confidence that I had discovered in part through my days on the Vineyard Worship Team, a confidence that stems from being well-loved. And in the four years since embracing that new adventure, I have found it to be equal parts of challenge and joy, as I work to use music as a tool for helping children develop key life skills, character qualities, a deeper sense of personal and community value, all of which can literally lead to survival in an environment uh, marked often by poverty, trauma, and abuse. Ultimately, I see this work, though, as an opportunity to help students not only experience the love of Christ, but also become prepared for the good news offered by the gospel, um, providing for physical, emotional, mental, and social needs. Basically, it tills the soil of hearts. That's how I see it. Um, so that the gospel can more effectively take root in the lives of these students and their families and their community. And so just as the abundant support that I have received over the years, exemplified by the worship team here, um, it really paved my way, um, or paved the way for my understanding of and my personal relationship with God. So I desire my relationship with my students to contribute to their own growing relationship with their Savior. Not gonna cry. 
Um, so just in conclusion, <laughs> although this journey continues on with new twists and turns, like working on my master's degree and going to Israel as part of that, uh, God's grace and goodness continue to sustain me, uh, reminding me even in the darkest of times that he is truly good. <laughs> yeah. And um, as I remember the abundant grace shown to me along the way and the great amounts needed each new day, I am continually encouraged to extend that grace to those around me, um, never doubting God's ability to use small things to reveal his stunningly great love. So I am grateful for the loving grace that I have received, specifically from my vineyard family. And I am grateful for this opportunity to share some of the ways that that grace has extended far beyond um, even my life in ways that only God could have imagined. (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin, who would have thought that seven years ago you'd be standing up in front of people (laughs) and sharing anything about God uh, yeah, God is good. He moves us, he turns us, he changes us. Uh, God is good. Uh, in fact, uh, we have a, a box at the back for testimonies. If uh, you would like to be uh, follow Caitlin's uh, lead and actually put a testimony in there, uh, whether you write the whole thing out or whether you just say, I've got a testimony I'd like to share, uh, we would uh, love to follow up with you. And others are blessed when uh, they hear what God has done in your life. So... Uh, we're going to video some. We will uh, have some live. Uh, we could read some if you don't like uh, public speaking. But we do want to get your God stories and find out uh, from you uh, what God has done. Uh, so, again, uh, a Pentecost uh, being the birthday of uh, Bernadette said the Holy Spirit. Um, I know uh, often the church's vineyard is thought to be a little bit like you know, is this a cult or not? I was just worrying about that, uh, Bernadette. I know it was a slip of the tongue. The birthday of the church, uh, not the birthday of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, I think the Holy Spirit was around in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, and then, But, you know, all one of you that got it, that's Melissa because her dad is a, a pastor. You know, she picked right up. And the rest of you was like, you just didn't hear it. It, it was great. You just saw ice cream Sunday. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> well, uh, here's my challenge today. Uh, being Pentecost, uh, I, I would really somehow or other in my sermon today uh, like you to be more aware of the supernatural, uh, anticipate God's supernatural power, uh, expecting God to use you to do the impossible, the miraculous. Uh, how's that for a tall order? Well, you know, it is Pentecost. I mean, let me put it in the negative. Uh, In the negative, uh, uh, it seems like two things like atrophy in our lives uh, when it comes to church and the gospel. Uh, That is evangelism and things of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In other words, you know, people like as time goes by, you, you kind of take your foot off the pedal of sharing the good news with your family, your friends, and those around you. And you also tend to take your foot off the pedal of taking a risk that God is going to do the impossible. And uh, it's understandable why we atrophy in those areas, because often we try and we fail. And we don't like failure, so we just give up. And yet uh, the gospel uh, message and what the Lord is telling us, those of us that believe, is to press on and press in and uh, depend on God And so we have this tension where we want to be safe and comfortable. We want to be blessed, but we don't love taking risk. Uh, And uh, that's why we love youth, because youth tend to take more risk than us old folks. Uh, It's it's good to have uh, that. So what I'm praying for you uh, today in my sermon and uh, asking God's help is that we would sort of up the ante and we'd be willing to take uh, spiritual risk again Uh, We would expect and pray for people to be supernaturally healed immediately. We would expect and pray for people to come to know Christ uh, with one conversation. Uh, We would expect God to use us in whatever way uh, God might be wanting to use you, but in supernatural ways. Now, you know, by definition, supernatural or miraculous means that it's not normal and ordinary. 
you know, we don't ask for a miracle uh, if there's another way around it. Like if it can just happen through circumstances, that's not a miracle. Uh, and yet the normal, ordinary, everyday Christian life is much like uh, Caitlin explained. You know, you look back on your life and you can see the hand of God uh, directing and turning and helping, but often we can't see it immediately. So the normal course of events is we see God's hand and love and shaping our lives. But it's not to exclude that God can't do the miraculous, the impossible right now, today. And uh, I want to just talk about that a little bit today, given that it's the Pentecost. So Jesus, I just ask for uh, your Holy Spirit, uh, particularly, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to fill me now, that I can preach in power. I pray for your presence to be here. I pray that uh, we can actually do the things uh, you tell us to do uh, and not just talk about them. And so, Lord, I just pray for today. I just thank you for every person here, uh, that they would be filled with your love. And, Lord, a sense of expectation that at any point you can do anything. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We've, uh, I'm finishing a series. Hopefully you've enjoyed it, the victor and the prize. And if you uh, didn't get one of these little uh, keepsake uh, books, uh, I, I think there's a few left. Anyway, you can see Bernadette who did the announcements afterwards. If you'd like one, I encourage you to go over the sermon series again. Uh, it was uh, this is the eighth week. We started in Easter. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you didn't uh, use it as a little devotional, that uh, that might be helpful to you. If, that, if it is, I'd encourage you to do that. But the big idea here is that Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the victor. And uh, the prize is what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And uh, particularly today, we want to talk about the prize uh, of receiving uh, the Holy Spirit uh, and what that means and what it means to you. So if you've got a bulletin insert, I'm trying to highlight uh, three different points here, a kingdom life, an empowered life, and a joy-filled life. Uh, but let me just start with Acts uh, chapter 1, right at the beginning of Acts, and uh, read to you this account of how Pentecost uh, came about and what that's all in, involved in that. Well, just reading right from the beginning, I want you to take notice of two things. Uh, firstly is the uptick in the terminology, the Holy Spirit. You'll just find that you, now this phrase, the Holy Spirit, is uh, coming up. And the second uh, little phrase I want you to take note of is the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, kingdom of God. I mean, and the reason I'm saying just notice it before I read it is because often as we read the Bible, we will like just blow by those uh, terms uh, and move right on. Let me read and explain. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. You see, there's the first one. Okay, just back out the Holy Spirit part there. Uh, wouldn't we normally read it like this? Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions. I mean, this is Jesus. He gave his apostles further instructions. But interestingly, it says through the Holy Spirit. You know, so uh, we're getting sort of a, an introduction here. Wait a bit, there's something afoot. And then uh, carrying on, I'll circle back to that. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to his apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. No, wait a bit. Okay, so the obvious is the obvious. Uh, Jesus is uh, resurrected. Uh, it's a supernatural thing. His uh, first mission here is to prove to his disciples, I am actually alive. And uh, this is like a big statement. This is like a big deal. And so, you know, in a condensed way, uh, Dr. Luke is, is saying, this is what Jesus did. And then he says, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Wait a bit, like, how does that fit into what's going on? I'll circle back to that, just bear with me. Once when he was eating with them, he commended them. 
commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus is saying, listen, uh, I, I kind of proved to you that I'm alive, and uh, there's something really important. I want to give you the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't fully understand what that is. You've kind of seen me work in my earthly ministry, you know, in my divine nature, uh, in a way. But from Jesus' perspective, uh, there needs to be something that he's going to leave the disciples when he's physically going to be removed. Now, they don't know what that fully means. And then he says, in, uh, then it goes on in verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? Now, you'll notice that kingdom there is in, you know, not in capital letters or not capital K. But when you see the kingdom of God, uh, you'll see the phraseology is capital K for kingdom of God. Uh, you know, we're getting a help here that there's two different types of kingdoms being spoken of. Uh, and then, as you well know, uh, Jesus' familiar response, he says, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And then look, the complete gear change, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people, about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus is taken up and ascends to heaven. Now, let me just sort of paraphrase it or say it a little differently. Uh, the disciples are still fixated on the way they think God should work. And we get fixated and we have a similar hiccup with God. You know, we decide what it is that we think God should do or should be doing, or how God should be behaving in our lives because we've prayed, and God just seems to have another agenda. Now, as much as Jesus has explained to his disciples, demonstrated to his disciples, uh, told his disciples what they must do, what his mission is all about, being the kingdom of God, uh, the disciples are saying, my problem right here and now is that I've got a bunch of bums leading us, and will you kick them out and take over? I need an earthly king leader. I need a king. And Jesus is saying, how many times do I have to tell you that like, that's important, but you know, the big picture is much bigger? And yeah, Jesus has just been resurrected, and, and the disciples are still at it with the same issue. Okay, now is this going to be the time when you're going to take over and control and rule? And Jesus is like, just kind of blows by them. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm not even answering that question. It's like, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. Uh, and let me tell you about evangelism. Your job, guys, is to focus on the kingdom of God, get out there, and tell everybody about me. And you're going to need some help. You're going to need some empowerment because I'm not physically going to be with you. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Now, he doesn't answer all the questions. But Jesus is focusing. You need power. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to be encouraged. You're going to get discouraged. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you. Uh, don't let evangelism bleed away. And don't let the things of the supernatural bleed away. Jesus is saying, I want to be with you. I want to help you. You know, sometimes, and it's, it's human, we get so fixated on the problem that's right before us. The problem before us might be, I need a job. Or I need to get into college or I need a car, or I need somewhere to live. And, you, you know, your whole prayer is naturally focused that way. Jesus, provide, uh, help me get this thing. Help me do it. And, you, you know, sometimes God's, uh, what he's doing in and around us is so totally different. It's like, okay, the big picture is this. But we get fixated on the problem that we have. Uh, and that's part of being human. But what God is saying is, believe me. Trust me, I'll sort out the, the issues in your life, and it's totally okay to pray for those issues, but don't lose sight of the big picture. The thing that's going to give you joy, the mission that I've set us, uh, before you, and the whole purpose of why I came to earth and what I've demonstrated with you. So 
I want to just uh, talk again about the kingdom of God. You know, here at the vineyard, I talk a lot about the kingdom of God because it's sort of become one thing that as a movement, a vineyard movement, uh, this understanding of the kingdom of God has been helpful, uh, both theologically and practically. Now, I just want to say up front, uh, as I digress for a few minutes and just look at a few scripture verses and hit this theologically, uh, I don't want you to, at the end of what I've just said, to say, I'm just now confused. Uh, I am saying to you right up front that there is a tension. And when I say the tension, it, it normally means like we being stretched. And uh, when we have things in tension, it's not comfortable. For instance, if I tell you that Jesus is fully human and fully divine, there's a tension there. We can understand Either or, but when you put them together, it's like, and you just feel uncomfortable. And so it is with this understanding of the kingdom of God. For instance, is the kingdom of God a future event? Is the kingdom of God a present event? Where is the kingdom of God? It's not an easy answer, but as we look at a few of the scriptures, I'll tell you why this is important. Uh, not only is it important uh, to understand it theologically, not only is it interesting for me anyway, and for all two of you that are interested in theology, uh, but it has a practical uh, application, which I, I will get to. It just, you know, I'll wake you up uh, after I've read a few verses here on the theology. Uh, here's a starting verse, very familiar, not a shock to anybody. But again, I want to read it like wrongly to make the point. I'll read it first correctly, just so you know, we're not all heretics. I mean, sorry, Bernadette. Oh, it's nice to beat up on Bernadette. She's going to say, and she's always so forgiving. That's a nice thing. Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, that is not an unfamiliar verse to many of you. Now, uh, let me pose it this way. Why doesn't it say, uh, seek Jesus above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need? Because that's the way we would read it. Let me just suggest that's just not the way the scripture is. The scripture says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and that just is a little different uh, to seek Jesus. I'm not going to try and explain that. I'm going to leave that because of time. And uh, there's a tension here. Uh, I want to talk about, is the kingdom a future event or a current event? In the one sense, the future event is fairly easy for us to understand. We understand, we believe in life after death. We believe that, uh, you know, there's a kingdom and uh, in eternity, and God the Father and Jesus is in this kingdom, and we're going to join him. And Jesus indeed uh, says so when he's having communion with his disciples before being crucified. In Mark 14, 25, he says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. You know, so Jesus is saying there's a future Thing, kingdom of God, it's future. And we understand it. That's not the complicated part. The complicated part is Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel, uh, not the end. And also, interesting, notice this, that Jesus starts with the kingdom of God, he ends with the kingdom of God, uh, and here he is in chapter 1, Mark. And look at this. This is both talking about the kingdom of God is here right now, while simultaneously not being here right now, but being very near. Okay, I'll read this to you. Uh, the time promised by God has come at last. Now, clearly we understand that in context. Uh, Jesus has showed up on the scene. Jesus is saying the time has come at last. Everything that's spoken about in the Old Testament is now being fulfilled. Jesus is here. He's fulfilling all these prophecies. The time has come at last. It is here it has come right now. But in that very same sentence, it says, 
the kingdom of God is near. Not right here. I mean, it's near. It's nearby. It's present, but it's not right here. And here the point is on evangelism. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. I mean, you see the slight tension there. Uh, so sometimes Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Sometimes he's saying it's future. But uh, look at this next verse, and this is the one I want to uh, emphasize and focus on. Matthew 12, 28. But I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Uh, and uh, this is important, uh, and it's kind of obvious. Uh, Jesus is doing some supernatural things. He's casting out demons. He's healing sick people uh, immediately and instantaneously. And uh, he tells his disciples to do the same. Uh, go out, 12 of you, go out into the towns. And now at the end of his ministry, he's commanding us and the disciples likewise to do the same. And he's saying, go and heal the sick. Go and cast out demons. Go and advance the kingdom of God. Tell people about me, about Jesus, uh, and do it with power. Uh, and the kicker is this. When people get healed, it's because God healed them. And when people don't get healed, it's because God didn't heal them. Not that complicated. Okay, now why is this practically like super helpful. It's practically super helpful because we don't have to get all wound up or guilty uh, when we pray for people to be healed if they don't get healed. It's not because their faith was lacking or your faith is lacking or they full of sin or you full of sin or, or, or whatever. It's a kingdom thing. The presence and the power of God either is present or he isn't. Now, that should sort of take a lot of the stress and the burden off us. Uh, it's not up to us. We can't do the impossible. Only Jesus can. Now, the wrong thing to do would be to say, okay, well, I'm just not going to take any risks, and I'm not going to pray for anybody, and, and the only way that God can work is if I pray, and it's sort of like, you know, uh, I sit in my room and I pray for, you know, you guys, but I wouldn't risk actually praying for you, laying my hands on you, and actually expecting God to do something right at that moment, because you know, then I just look foolish if it didn't work out and, and, and whatever. Why is it that every time, you know, you go away on missions or you go to another continent, God seems to do awesome things? And then, you know, you come back and you tell all those stories and then people are like, yeah, but that happens in South America, but it doesn't happen here. And uh, as you know, uh, I was in South Africa recently and uh, as circumstances uh, had it, uh, I was at my dad's timeshare unit, and at the timeshare unit, uh, they have a servant, and that servant is assigned just to that timeshare unit. And her job is to make your bed, fold your clothes, clean your bathtub, wash your dishes, chase away the monkeys, and basically just do the same thing every day. And it's totally awesome. Uh, you just like live like a slob, and you have this lady who comes and cleans your mess up, and cleans your dishes up mostly, and, you know, you just sit back and relax. It's very comforting. Uh, but, of course, because the same uh, person's assigned to your unit every year, you get to know her. And it just so happened, just coincidentally, I was there last year with my daughter, Megan, and uh, we met Clara, and, you know, she, I, I got to speak with her a little bit. I found out that she's Catholic, and, um, and she's just a real nice person. So this time I, I met her for the first time. I said, hey, Clara, I haven't seen you for a year. How are you doing? And she said, I'm doing terrible. I said, oh, what's happening? She said, oh, my throat, it's, it's all up like this. I've got tonsillitis. I'm really in, uh, you know, I could just see she was in tremendous discomfort. And immediately I just felt the Spirit of God. You need to pray for her. And I'm saying, oh, no, I don't want to pray for her. I'm exhausted. I mean, like I've got like all these other things and I'm just having one day here at my dad's timeshare, I'm finally just sitting back watching the monkeys doing nothing, and it's fun, you know, and, and I don't want to just do like church stuff again, I don't want to pray for her, and I'm, like, and I'm just like blowing it off, and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do it. And finally, I'm just like, I've got to pray for her. Clara, can I pray for you? 
Yes, yeah, sure, boss. Yes, you can pray for me, she says. Uh, I said, well, do you mind if I actually like put my hands on you? And she said, sure, come. You can do whatever you like. You know, I just, I'm on speak, my tons of lighters. And I'm like, so I pray, and I'm like, Jesus, and I just pray for Clara. Just pray you heal her. Uh, you know, after I prayed a bit, Clara, how are you feeling? I feel terrible. I've got tons of lighters. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is not looking good. My dad's watching. My dad's a good Baptist. Baptists don't do these things. Clara's Catholic. Uh, she's like not feeling good. I'm like, okay, I'll try again. Clara, let me try. Jesus, I just pray you heal her. I mean, she's just a really sweet person. Uh, you know, whatever. You know, just like those tonsils just like fix themselves. And God just, Clara, how are you feeling? Oh, absolutely terrible. I'm going to go tomorrow. All right, well, go see the doctor tomorrow. You know, great, or whatever. <laughs> what did I tell you? You know, it just works that way. <laughs> well, uh, how do you not get discouraged? You know, well, the kingdom of God. I mean, God just didn't show up. And what can I tell you? I'm not God. I'm just like his servant. God, you show up. I, I can't make you show up. But when you do, it's awesome. And when you don't, well, hey. You don't. I, it's what a servant does. I don't take the glory. I, I don't take the embarrassment either. It's just like, move on. <laughs> I mean, you guys are laughing. I, I don't find it that funny, but I mean, you know, you just move on. <laughs> All right, I know like half of you came back this week because I started telling you a story about South Africa. Okay, I got Now, some of you are new. You haven't been last week because you told your friends about the story. And let me tell you, this story was so contagious that last week, Mary Ellen, one of the members of the church, showed up at, at 5.45 to come run with me. And she never run with me with my group of running friends. She said, Rob, I'll come and run with you because I want to get the rest of the story out of you. So like, we're running for like, you know, like about an hour, and I'm like gasping for breath. And Mary Ellen's like doing really great. And she said, well, I said, Mary Ellen, I've learned something. If I'm going like to hold a secret, the secrets work best if you don't tell anybody. She says, Oh, I'm not going to be here this, uh, you know, Memorial Day weekend. We're going away. I'm like, hey, you know, like if you don't make a church, you lose out. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me just recap the story. I, I'm in South Africa again. Uh, I'm, I'm at the bank. Uh, I'm dealing with my dad's banking affairs. And uh, I, I'm talking to this Indian uh, Hindu uh, teller. And clearly she's a Hindu. She has a red dot between her eyebrows. And uh, she's asked me a million questions. One of the questions is, what is my profession? Uh, of which I just know from my uh, history that this is either a good question or a bad question. It's not a neutral question. It either goes terribly well or terribly badly. It's sort of like praying for sick people. You know, either works out great or doesn't. And uh, so I'm like, why do you have to know my profession? I'm like, you know, this is my dad's bank account. Uh, it says here on the form, I need your profession. If you're going to be power of attorney, I need you to know what you are. I'm a pastor. I'm just a, and she, as I told you last week, I, this was a good response. She's like, pastor, oh, that's great. I'm like, let me tell you, I had an encounter with Jesus. I told you the story last week. I said, tell me about it. Now we're in the bank. There's, the bank is packed. There's like people everywhere. There's like 10 deep. There's people behind me waiting. I mean, so she backs up and she says, well, I was praying to all my Hindu gods, and nothing was happening. It just wasn't working. And so I decided I might as well just try and pray to Jesus. And so I prayed to Jesus. And as soon as I prayed to Jesus, I had this, and I can only use her description. I don't know if Jesus showed up uh, like for real or if she just had a vision or whatever, but she sees Jesus. And then she starts describing Jesus to me. And she describes, and you've got to get this. Everybody in the bank is now listening to this story, right? I mean, they're kind of like, Hindu God talking about Jesus. I mean, it doesn't happen every day. And she says, the light, there was this aura around him, and he, this light was incredible. And, uh, and then I can see she's starting to get emotional, and she says, Jesus said to me, I've heard your prayers. I've seen your heart, and it's good, and, and I love you. And, you know, at this point, she's, she's crying. And I'm like, that's an incredible story. I, I mean, I don't know too many people that have had that kind of a personal, powerful encounter with the living, resurrected Jesus. And so uh, that's why I left the story last week. And I said, there's more. And, and indeed, there is more. And so I, I said, well, that's incredible. Uh, she said, but that's not all. I, I said to her then, uh, you know, assuming at this point she's going to church, 
And she said, no, she doesn't go to church. She reminded me, I don't go to church. I'm a Hindu. And I said, okay, well, I'm assuming, you know, after this encounter with Jesus, you've had a go at reading the Bible. Uh, and she said, nope, I've done anything about the Old Testament. In fact, I've done anything about the New Testament. I said, have you read like one book? Nope, no books. Like one verse? Nope, no verse. Have you got a Bible? Don't have a Bible. I haven't read it. I'm thinking, that's kind of incredible. Uh, so she gets TV channels and uh, the two people that she get, she said she'd listened to was Joel Olstein, and uh, she said, really like that. And then there was some lady, Beth Moore, and she really liked that. And I, I think that's the extent of her, like, Bible teaching. Uh, and then she had an absolute disaster in the family. Now, again, I mean, she's talking in the bank. Everybody's listening in. And she says, my mother got a stroke. And she was completely paralyzed, the whole left side of her body. And, you know, she was in a, a wheelchair, and the doctors are trying to do something. And, the, and, and she's lost ability to process it mentally, losing her memory, lost control of her left side of her body, just like Suzanne Snap, who's part of our church and was here last Sunday, and she's battling to recover from a stroke. I mean, it's devastating. And so here this Hindu woman says, well, I know what, if I can just get some oil, and so she grabs some oil, smears it on her mother, and says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Her mother instantaneously is healed. Gets up out of the wheelchair, starts walking around, starts talking. And I'm like, that's an incredible story. And she's like, yeah. And she's like this tiny little, thin little, you know, girl. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story. I'm like, God, how does this work out? I've been in South Africa now like, like two, three weeks. And, you know, this, I hear this incredible story the day before I have to leave. And I, I want to go visit her mom. I want to go visit her parents. I mean, like, I want to, you know, find out more about, like, no time. And then she says, but wait, there's more. And I'm like, more? I mean, I'm a pastor, man. You know, like, that's more of a story most people have a whole life. She said, no, my dad went blind in one eye. And I said, no, don't tell me. She said, yeah, I got oil. I stuck it on his eye. And I said, in Jesus' name, see. And her dad saw. I mean... I mean, I don't know how theologically you get around all this. You know, how come God uses a Hindu and he doesn't use you? I mean, you've heard all my great teaching on this stuff. And, you know, it's like, no oil. We got oil. I mean, we got the oil from Jerusalem. I mean, we, our, our oil isn't even as the, the roller thing. It's, you know, it doesn't just drip out. I mean, it's like a roller thing. I, I mean, we got the oil. Kingdom of God. You can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. You can't come up with some formula. I mean, you can look at what the Bible says and you can respond in faith. But, you know, what I'm, the reason I'm sharing these stories with you is that we would do likewise. Not just like have a good story and it's like, wow, that was incredible. But that we would have something in our heart would say, God, I want to do that. I, I want to be used by you. I, I, and it always it involves risk. And... I hate to tell you this, but most times you're going to fail. The, the issue isn't if you succeed or fail. The issue is will you get up and do it again? Because when you talk to people about Jesus, most people are going to say no. Uh, but some are going to say yes. And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm not going to... Because I mean talking about all these stories. I'm not going to read the rest of this uh, to you because uh, we're out of time. But uh, let, me just, let me just conclude this way. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. It totally transforms them. Something miraculous happens. In that particular instance, uh, they were able to speak uh, in tongues, and in tongues in that case was foreign languages that were understood by those around them. And the specific Point, point and purpose was people that didn't understand about the kingdom of God could clearly understand about the kingdom of God because the disciples, who weren't the smartest and brightest bunch for the most part, were speaking very clearly in their local, the receiver's local language. And people were saying, what's up with this? You know, some like were overwhelmed and 
said, God is good. This must be all about Jesus. Jesus is incredible. And others just said, this, they're drunk. This is foolishness. You know. you know, look, the disciples had success and failure. That's part of the, the deal. You and I will have success and failure. Uh, but, you know, Peter, in preaching this, he wraps it up and he says to them, look, even King David, Old Testament, not complete with a whole lot of Holy Spirit obvious instances, he's saying is this, he had a joy-filled life. He, quoting David in, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 25, I see the Lord is always with me. I see the Lord is always with me. This is, this is King David. For you, ha- you will not leave my soul among the dead. Many Jews today believe that yeah, there's no life after death. Uh, and yet King David is saying, I know that there is. But then verse 28, you fill me with the joy of your presence. I mean, this is what happens uh, with the Holy Spirit. He fills us with his joy of his presence. And so the people in those days were seeing the supernatural happen, uh, hearing, uh, you know, being preached in their own language. And if you read on in chapter 3, you see the disciples, Peter particularly, starts healing lame people and and doing uh, physical healing. But the presence of God is what's precious. And uh, that's what we all desire, is for God's presence to be with us. So I want to just end this way and pray this way. Uh, I want to do two things. Why don't we have the worship team come up so long? I I want you, I would love to just pray for you to have a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit and God's presence upon you. And and again, I want to pray for that right now, uh, here, not, you know, when you leave here, that right now God would pour out his Holy Spirit, whatever that might look like or be like for you, but that you would be uh, filled in an increased way with his joy and with his presence. I want to do another thing simultaneously because you guys are super smart and you can do two things at once. Uh, I want you to just put before you, not audibly because I don't want to hear it, Uh, Whatever is that's a challenge in front of you that you need God's supernatural help. I'm I'm not talking about like ordinary help, like something which is impossible, whether it be physical healing or provision or something that is totally impossible, it's outside of your control, that you might dare to just ask God for. Okay, something personal, something for yourself. So, Jesus, I just pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We just uh, acknowledge this is Pentecost. Uh, we, we read about these things, but Lord, we also experience these things. And Lord, I just ask right now for your people to experience your Holy Spirit again and afresh. So Jesus, I just pray that you'd pour out your Spirit. Lord, whatever that might be like or seem like, uh, Lord, I, I just pray that you'd likewise just get past our objections or our grid or whatever that looks like. Lord, I just pray for your love. I pray for your love to consume your people. Lord, I pray that you'd fill your people with hope. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would believe again that you can do and you will do and you do do. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd give us the strength to fail. You'd give us the strength to persevere. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the hope and the faith to depend on you and expect, Lord, for you to do big things, supernatural things in our lives. And Lord, I pray right now for your people right now, Lord, whatever might be impossible, that you would heal or you would, uh, you know, go before or provide for uh, or provide forgiveness for. But Lord, that There'd been experience of your power and your peace and your joy. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We just ask for more. Particularly physical healings, Lord. Jesus. 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 Amen. What I, because I'm truncating things and running fast, uh, what I want to do is, when we finished, uh, if you feel like God is working and you're doing something in you, 
come forward, let our prayer team pray for you. Uh, in addition, uh, some of you would say, you know, I really do want to uh, have somebody pray for me specifically, put their hands on me, that I might receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, others of you might be saying, you know, I really am asking God for supernatural gifts, be it the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues, and uh, you would just like somebody to pray for you for that. I just encourage you as we leave here, come forward, allow our ministry team uh, to pray for you. Just tell them very quickly what it is that they're praying for and have them pray for you. There's something about having others lay their hands on you and expect the impossible or the supernatural to actually happen. So uh, why don't you stand, uh, let's have a closing song, and then I'm going to have Kevin uh, give us something up that came up, uh, or uh, Jeff, that came up this morning in, in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are awesome. Lord, we just ask for your love to be poured out. Lord, I just pray that people have a powerful, spiritually powerful week in you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, let uh, Jeff share uh, what he came up in prayer this morning, and then I encourage you to come forward for prayer. Well, if you don't think God's not interacting, listen to what I wrote down that came out of the prayer session this morning. God provides, this was shared in testimony, God provides the perfect blend and amount of His presence or seasoning in our life to make anything that we face more bearable and more joyful. That there's abundant love in Christ and in Jesus. And He's the one who said, when I go, I'll send another, the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. We felt like this morning God was telling us after those words that maybe you're stuck. You feel like you're stuck in quicksand. And there's no getting out. There's someone that might feel like there's almost a pain in your side or your stomach. Maybe you're feeling that physical sense of that because what's happening in your life is so tense and so uptight. Someone has some like a pain in their hand, their right hand, and it may be a physical pain or maybe that sense, I just don't know if I can hang on anymore. Don't hang on anymore. We invite you to come forward for prayer because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and He came with power. And He wants to minister to you today. If that's you, would you come forward and whatever else so we can pray for you. Thank you. All right. Bless you guys. Why don't you come forward for prayer? Our service is over. I know I've eaten into your Sunday. Sunday. And you can get out and have ice cream. Get your kids to have them have ice cream. If you want prayer, come on up. If you want to just hang out in your seat and pray some more, you're welcome to just stay there. Bless you guys. Have a great weekend.